Hope everybody... The all-new Toyota Highlander is designed to go Highlander. What's go Highlander, you ask? It means amplifying your comfort with available premium leather interior and ventilated seats. And amplifying your groove with an available booming 11-speaker JBL audio system. Or even amplifying your crew with roomy seating for up to eight. Don't just go. Go Highlander in the all-new Toyota Highlander. Toyota. Let's go places. JBL is a registered trademark of Harman International Industries Incorporated. Is doing their best right now as we're going through this crazy time in our world. I'm Tony Bruschi, host of Real Ghost Stories Online. Wanted to invite you and let you know about our other brand new podcast that we just launched. Help kill the time for you. It's called The Dark Side of Wikipedia. It's about true crime and dark history. We dive into some of the strangest, most disturbed minds and experiences from our history and examine their story, their Wikipedia entry, and then discuss the cases, the individuals, and the psychology of the events as we go through each and every story. Some of our first episodes include Ed Gein, the BTK killer, the New London school explosion, Amityville murders, Richard Speck, Amelia Dyer, the General Slocum disaster, Jeffrey Dahmer, and more. New episodes every single week. Check out Dark Side of Wikipedia. Search it. Subscribe wherever you download podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. It's available now with new episodes every single week. Dark Side of Wikipedia. Search and subscribe today and stay safe out there. Who was the haunting little boy with no face that two children saw in their basement one fateful day? Was he there to play or did he have a sinister intent? That's today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you really like the show and you say, hey, I uh, I think I'd like this thing to, to continue on into infinity, conti- uh, consider becoming EPP, an extra podcast person. It is only $5 a month. It's uh, what uh, used to cost for a cup of coffee back when we could leave our homes. Uh, and uh, just pretend you're doing that uh, and you're supporting our program. Five bucks a month, you sign up at uh, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to uh, become an EPP. Get all the bonus content, advanced episodes, everything there to, uh, to enjoy your time <laughs> quarantined away from the world. Uh, Tony and Carol Hughes joining you today. And it's funny as we're doing this show and I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to make light of a really 
dark moment. Uh, and I don't know what the world is going to be like when this show airs. I, I'm time stamping. Normally, we right? never say we never say the date that we're doing the show, but I feel like we need to just because of the timeliness and the fluidness of the situation. It is uh, March 9th of uh, 2020 right now. And so any any references you hear on the program today or anything we talk about involving the coronavirus or the current state of affairs are from that perspective. Right. Um, and it could change so easily in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And by the time this airs, it's roughly two, three, four weeks out. Um, if you're listening as an EPP, this will get posted the week that we're recording this. So just in a couple of days, you got thousands of people who listen that way, but on the main feed, it, it's a little bit longer of a wait. Um, so I don't know what the hell things are going to be like in a few weeks, but, uh, it's, um, it's interesting now as of today, Italy was quarantined. Um, and it's and just, someone I know yeah. is, is, has been quarantined. I don't want to give any more information sure. than that because I think there's a bit of a stigma. Yeah attached to that i would think i would think so it's, it's it's up to them if they ever want to say who they are but yeah it's yeah, uh, it's not up to me to reveal quarantine secrets <laughs> it's but i feel bad it's like you know and i think that she's perfectly fine i really but i do think you have to err on the side of caution yeah I think what is is scary about this is the lack of shit that the United States has been doing the last how many weeks to test for any of this, to prevent any of this, to it's it's just it, it's utterly nuts. I mean, they're, they're in the lack of testing that's been going on. And it's something that we're, we, we need to remember once all is said and done, how much of a clusterfuck this was the first couple well, of weeks. Cause we'll forget. And I agree because you and I were just talking about this. Cause Tony and I always spend about 30 minutes oh. catching up with each other's lives before we even start. But seeing the, what she's gone through this experience of possible exposure, you don't know, Yeah, but it's been handled so inadequately. Yeah. You know, you could be in a place where they have it and you can just jump on a plane and go home. Yeah. Nobody asks any questions. And they're not trying to be assholes or avoid it. There's nobody, there's no rules in place yet. Nobody's yeah. saying we should do this or do that. There's no mandate. Everything is optional. And when things are optional, people don't do them for the most part. Yeah. And, and, or, or it's not funded to do so. It's it's insane. As of right now, as of the ninth, and I'm saying this so when you listen to this show in the middle of summer or next year and everybody's looking back on shit, as of right now, the United States has tested, what, roughly about 1,800 people? That's it? And, and we're going and saying, oh, there's very few infected here. There's very few that have this or that. Well, if you don't fucking test people, you're not going to know what that number is. And it's, but it, therein lies the problem because yeah. in... My person's case, um, you can't test because there aren't enough tests to test. Yeah, exactly. So it would be easy just to test and say, thank God you do not have it. Yes. But they don't have enough tests, so they have to save the ones they have for people who are symptomatic. Yeah. So you could be exposed. You could be a carrier and still be not showing any symptoms, but they can't test you because there aren't enough tests. Yeah. It's it's what I've been saying. That's shit crazy. It, it's like walking around any any space in your home anywhere and going, 
There's no dust in here. No, there's there's no dust. Well, wait, turn on the black light. You'll see all the dust. No, I, I, the black lights are in the other room. We don't we don't need to bring those out right now. No, I mean that's what you're. There, there's is dust here. You're just not picking it up. <laughs> don't turn on the black light. The black lights. We're ordering more of them. But you got that whole yeah. pile of them right over there. Well, they're not. They're, they don't work right. You know, it takes the wrong plug. Got an extension cord. Excuse, excuse, excuse. That's what's going on. They're not turning on the fucking black light. I, I would bet any money that right now this shit is fucking everywhere in this country and nobody knows it. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. Maybe there'd be more panic if everybody knew the reality, I yeah, think, of where things are at. Too. But at the same point, what we're going to end up having here, again, it is the 9th of March. Uh, what we're going to end up having here is finally there's going to be test kits on the market in the coming weeks because of private industry saying, uh, we'll make it ourselves if you guys can get your fucking shit together. Uh, and then suddenly everyone's going to be tested and testing positive, or so many are going to. Many will get by just fine and it'll pass. But we're going to see this crazy influx of people suddenly having this and we're going to think it's spreading like wildfire when in reality no it's been here we just haven't tested anyone the dust in your house has been there you just haven't turned on the fucking black light so mark my fucking words we'll yeah. look back on this this is exactly how it's going to play out or by the time this airs i am describing the last two or three weeks to you um, and then you know like okay you go self-quarantine but then you live in a house with a family, and how do you manage not exposing your family? Yeah. Like, where are you supposed to go to self quarantine and be alone? Like, got? how many people have that option? What do you do if you have kids? Uh, you know, some people live alone, and that w will work out great for them. But a lot of people don't. I I don't know. I don't know what you do. What do I do? And you keep hearing right now, and I'm just saying this stuff to document it out there. Here's what we're hearing at this moment in time. Everybody keeps saying, well, you just, you have to be prepared. What the fuck does that mean? Like, nobody's like really defining it. It's like thoughts and prayers. What the yeah. fuck does that mean? Like, okay, you're feeling something. Be prepared. To one person, that means go and stock up on a bunch of wine and the other people, it means go. <laughs> that's my mom and dad. Uh, and to me and my family, that's why that made me laugh. Exactly. It's it's uh, go get rice and beans and have a, a good two week supply of food. Should we not be able to leave the house and just not go crazy? I'm not building a, a bomb shelter, but I'm I, if I'm not going to leave my house, I want to be able to eat and feed my family, not get drunk on wine every day. Although that may happen simultaneously because <laughs> I, I do have a good supply, but it's it's just it's like there's no defining be prepared. Well, be prepared to me is like all these different paths. What do you do when this happens? There's not really much definition on that part. So anyway, that's my soapbox. If, if you feel sick, stay home. And it's not even coronavirus. It's the damn flu, too. Yeah. If you don't feel good, stay yeah. home. That's just it, it's the common sense thing. So anyway, that's uh, that's our state of affairs as we put this into the time capsule. Oh, real ghost stories online. <sighs> Good times. Let's talk about something more uplifting, like a child ghost without a face. I think that sounds lovely. <laughs> it sounds really sweet and, and a lot less scary than the world. 855-853-4802. Uh, is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to that first story. It says, uh, hey, Tony and Jenny and Carol, I have been listening to your podcast for a couple of years now. 
and I love it. In the middle of listening to uh, What is Cursed Land, the episode that was aired 10-1-19, and heard a story about a woman who was pregnant with twins and miscarried one of them. Her toddler, she was lying next to, looked up at the ceiling and said, bye-bye, baby, when she lost one of the twins. This episode made me stop in my tracks, and it gave me goosebumps, so I thought I'd write in. On my mother's side, my family is full of sensitives. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old little girl who is sensitive as well. I know I have a little bit to go before I need to explain her gifts to her, but I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to have this conversation with her. I mean, how do you have this type of communication with a little one? I'm sure she'll understand. I did when my mom explained it to me when I was five. I know I need to explain this to her soon because her gifts are strong. One night after her father and I separated, she was lying in bed with me. She looked at the the bathroom door and said, Mommy, monster. I continued to rub her back while stating, No, honey, he's not a monster. She was referring to a man standing in the bathroom door looking at us curiously. I got up and I closed the door. After I did, she was able to fall asleep. This is not my story I wanted to share today. Before I had my little girl, my uncle would see my daughter by my side all the time. I had no idea until my uncle told me when my daughter was one and a half to two years old before I had her at the time. He didn't know she'd become my daughter until she was at the age she was when he told me. He recognized and understood it was her. He said she was with me for a couple of years before I'd given birth to her, and she's the same little girl then as she is now. Meaningful looks, playful, loving, and a lot of energy. He said she was like my little shadow. Well, my uncle told me I got chills and goosebumps. Not in the wrong way, though. I do believe some can see ghostly children before they are born. My uncle told me this is my validation. Thanks for reading my story. I hope to hear it on a later episode and we'll be writing back with more stories. I have a lot from being sensitive. What do you think of that experience? I love the idea of that. Yeah. Like that the child kind of picked her before she was able to to even be brought into the world. Mm -hmm. Like she knew that would be her mother and was already attached. I think that's really neat. Some of that stuff makes me, like I don't know what happens when you die. I've said that a lot of times. But sometimes I think like, is it a reincarnation thing? Did that soul was attached to her for other reasons? I don't know. It's just a bigger picture. It does. It makes you you wonder. You know, it's interesting I know we, me and Jen, before we had Harp, um, Jen had a much more specific dream that of Harper, of knowing what she was going to look like, and this little redheaded girl with blue eyes. And she says she looks exactly like she saw her in her dream. And I remember many years prior to having Harper that I dreamt that I had a kid, uh, before I ever had a kid, um, and it was a little redheaded uh, girl, too. And I mean, red runs pretty strong in my family. I'm not red, but it's, you know, it's there. So it's not out of the question, but it's just kind of funny that, you know, here she is and um, she's just, she just fits in so well with us as far as her personality. She's like little mini me, but it's, um, it's funny. It's funny how you can kind of get things like that. And, you know, is some of it just our minds working and predicting and all that. Sure. But I think there's something beyond it as well in some cases. And I think it's interesting, like with her daughter, you know, being sensitive as well. Like, I think a lot of kids are, Mm -hmm. I think way more than you would ever guess. Maybe even the majority, 
in the right situation are. Mm-hmm. But so I'd be curious because she seems to be pretty sold on the idea that that will continue for her because it seems to be in her family. So what makes that be like something that's passed down? How does that work? Because we've heard of that before. Like my mother was like that. I'm like that. My daughter's like that. I don't know what it is that makes that be passed down, but I think what makes it Because it's not genetics or I, something else. Because there's all that part of your brain that we're not using. There's yeah. something, maybe there's something there. I think it, 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 what makes it stay is is the acceptance of it at a young age and the, um, you know, the cultivating of it, if you will, like yeah, any that, other skill. Could be. If you because would, other parents might be dismissive yeah. of... The little girl saying there's a monster there. This person is like, I get what you're seeing and I understand what this is like. Yeah. Invalidating it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe in that situation, it doesn't necessarily go away because the child connects to the mom who is the same way. Mm -hmm. It's never presented as something that they have to shut out. And I think we do some shutting out when we're really young, whether we're aware of it or not. Exactly. And and it's much easier for us to turn those those switches on and off when we're really young than it is when we're older. And if they get shut off, sometimes we're never able to turn them back on. Um, but if they're never having to be shut off, it'll last and it, it continues on for uh, for life. Some people are, have ways of figuring out how to turn them back on, um, but it's not not that easy. Um, thanks for sharing that story. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to our next letter. It says, hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now and I absolutely love it. Thank you for this open community of stories. I've not written or called in before, but I feel like you, Tony, will love my story about growing up as sensitive. Here we go. When I was about five years old, I lived in Salt Lake City, Utah. I lived there with my dad and younger sister. My sister and I shared a room and my dad stayed in the room next to ours. My sister and I had a playroom in a room downstairs filled with our toys. My dad had put my sister down for a nap and I, as usual, refused to take one too. He asked me to go play downstairs while my sister napped and he did the dishes. I headed through the basement door and down the stairs. When I got to the bottom of the stairs, there was a little boy dressed in a white shirt with blue jeans on, but no face. I ran back up the stairs crying and straight to my dad. I was so scared. The only way in and out of the basement was either the door I came through or one that was so hard to open that my dad had to open it for my sister and me until I was about 10. My dad searched the basement with no luck in finding this boy that I had saw. Years later, I decided I wanted my room. My dad moved downstairs to one of the basement rooms. About two months went by. My dad said that that it was too cold to stay downstairs and I had to give up his room that I was staying in. Me being 11, now I told him that I'd take the basement room. He argued with me and kept saying it was too cold there and there's spiders. Finally agreed to let me stay down there after arguing got him nowhere. I moved down that same day. My sister and I agreed to share our dogs one night and would have Shadow then next Spot. Shadow was a black lab that was five years old now, and Spot was two years old. I'd stayed in the basement for about two months, and it was always cold and always felt like something was always waiting outside my door for me. 
I always ran to and from the stairs, but I was stubborn and didn't want to move upstairs and share a room. I carried on like this for a couple more months. Then one night, Shadow kept getting off my bed and growling at my bedroom door. I keep telling her to lie down, but finally gave up because I had school in the morning. The next morning, my sister was banging on my door, yelling to get out of the way. I was still sound asleep, slept through my alarm again. I got up and turned on my light to find my dog stiff. She had died. I went to school and moved out of the basement. A couple of years later, my dad had put our computer down in our old playroom. and I had homework that I needed to research, so down in the basement I went. I was down there waiting for the computer to boot up when I heard my name, thinking it was my little sister trying to scare me. I got up and said, not funny, Brittany. I then heard a loud growl right behind me. I ran so fast up the stairs and out the front door. I waited on the porch until my dad goes home, gets home from work. He told me to stop making up stories and do my homework. I moved out of the house a week later to live with my mom because I was so scared. I'm 31 now and have a daughter that is six. I recently heard her talking to someone in her room. So I went to investigate what she was saying and she said, it doesn't matter, you're dead anyway. I called my dad and asked him about what he did when I saw the child in the basement and he told me he told it to go away and me to ignore it. I now have two children that have my gift and I have a lot more stories. Thanks for reading my story. Any advice on how to keep the dark ones out would be great. Well... I had to keep the That's dark. That's crazy. Two stories in a row. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it works. We don't, I don't curate these to be a theme. It just seems to work. Um, so something's curating our stories other than me. And it's not Jen. <laughs> um, it's uh, to answer the question, how to keep the dark ones out first. Uh, there's no like true tied, you know, time tested way. Here's how to keep the dark ones out. But it's more so about being positive and keeping a positive. People say positive light, positive energy, whatever you want to call it. I just say, you know, in a positive environment, I think is is key. I think that's the, the easiest way to communicate that dark things are attracted to dark things. If things are stressful and negative and not in a good place, right. you're going to get darker shit. Um, but to keep things away or at bay that aren't necessarily dark, but there sometimes it is as simple as what her dad did saying, stop, please leave us alone and and we'll be good. You can do your thing. Be respectful. Don't taunt. But sometimes it is as simple as just kind of negotiating. Um, you know, other times not that easy, though. And was it like the house now? He didn't really say that was a haunted house. Mm -mm. It sounds like his daughter's talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. Right? I believe so. And sometimes, like we were just talking, a kid can grow out of that and not have that ability. Sure. To, But at the same time, that pisses me off. And so... <laughs> There might be an out loud conversation I might have sometime. Like, you know, it's an innocent child. Leave this child alone. Yeah. Please. Because, and then what about the dog? Like. It was kind of brushed what? over. It's like the dog dies and like, are, are we attributing the dog dying to the house? I don't know. Like that bothered me because it was, the, and then the dog died and that was then. Like, <laughs> I know. What do you say? What do you, what happened? I like, was in my mind going, Carol's not going to like this part. Because <laughs> <no. laughs> the other night, my dog's really old and there. I mean, he's doing great, but I think there could be some dementia issues sometimes. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it was Saturday night and he was eating. And sometimes I have to like, like I will literally feed it to him mm -hmm. because 
so he can get his CBD oil and everything. And he's eating, and all of a sudden, he just stops and he jumps and he looks at the closet. And like he gets up to move away from the closet, like something was right next to him and he was freaking out. So he jumps off the bed and he wants to go running downstairs where he thinks it's safe mm-hmm. and he can't go down the stairs by himself. But I'm like, oh, no, you didn't. You cannot scare my dog. Like I had a serious <laughs> conversation with something that's not even there. Yeah. But it pissed me off because I'm like, I don't know what that was all about, but all of a sudden my dog was afraid of something that said maybe it's a little dementia. I don't know. But it pissed me off. So I had to have a talk with something that wasn't even there. Well, leave my dog alone. The dog does insist on being referred to as Ethel sometimes. So I think (laughs) there might be something going on. You know, he's getting older. Doesn't necessarily mean demons, but yeah, that and, and wearing all of those big hats, that's different. Right. That's odd. That's yeah. that that wasn't him in you know, earlier years. <laughs> no. He's just changed. He's turned into an old transgender dog. Woman. <laughs> Apple. Yeah. In in Saison only eating that he was transgender. Well, only eat casseroles. It's you know, it's it's kind of odd, you know. It's like, okay, tuna casserole it is. <laughs> But here it is Saturday night. I'm pissed off at something that's not even there. I'm like, don't you dare scare my dog. <laughs> well, did it work? Did it stop? Yeah. And then he he went to the kitchen to try to get down to the basement, and I wouldn't let him go. So I did what you do with kids. Like, here's a treat. And I distracted him. It's like, okay, let's go back to bed. And then he was fine. <laughs> Perfectly fine. I like to think that I, I scared it off. Maybe you did. Maybe. But I do think there's kind of something to be said, like, and and if if the house is haunted, which he didn't say, mm-hmm. if he picks up on things there, and you have a daughter that's picking up on things there, I that's one. It's like, man, I'm going to go all upside down, and this is going to cost me some money or something. But I'd get out. I wouldn't put a child through that. Yeah. If it's the child, and you don't feel like there's anything in the house. It could be a kid being a kid, too. Yeah. You know, a lot of them see things. A lot of it you don't know the answers to until many years later as to what is going on. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Let's go over to a caller. Hi. Hi, Kenny. This is Jill. Um, I just tried to call before, and I ended up getting disconnected. So I am just calling back to try to tell my story again. So anyway, um, uh, an important part of this story is just to know that my my dad passed away about two and a half years ago um, in the house that I currently live in with my boyfriend and our son. So yesterday I was um, at work and I realized that my wallet was not in my purse. I was pretty sure I left it in my uh, book bag from the night before at home, but I wanted to be sure before I started panicking and trying to think of where my wallet was. So I tried to call my boyfriend because he was at home and he didn't pick up and I figured he might have fallen asleep because when I had talked to him maybe like a half hour prior to this he had said he was tired uh, and might take a nap so I tried to call him again hoping I could just wake him up and just figure out if my wallet was there so I could stop panicking and I called him again he didn't answer I called him like two or three more times he didn't answer uh finally when I was calling um his phone picked up and somebody answered but it was this really really breathy voice um it sounded like there was no someone was speaking with only their breath i can't think of 
how else to describe it. There was no sound um, to the voice. I, I almost thought maybe we just had a bad connection. So I'm just going, Michael, like, I can't hear you. Hello, like, you know, call me back. Um, but then I just start, I started noticing that it sounded, I don't know, I just got a very strange vibe from it, like it wasn't him. Um, so again, I'm trying to sit here and listen to what this breath is trying to say to me and I couldn't make out anything. It just, it's like this very inaudible speech. Um, but every once in a while, it sounded like it was trying to make words. Well, eventually the only part of this that I could make out in two words, I very distinctly heard it say, um, I love you very much. And that is the only part of the, of the breathy talk that I understood, but it was very clear, very loud. Um, and then it went, you know, very, very inaudible speech again. Um, and then it kept repeating a phrase. And I, I, again, I don't know what it said, but it kept repeating a phrase over and over again. Um, and then the phone hung up and I stood there for a minute thinking, oh my God, like, <laughs> what was that? And I, I was, you know, if he would have been awake, um, he definitely would have called me back right away and said, hey, you know, we had a bad connection. I couldn't hear you, whatever. But he didn't. Um, I tried to call him back and it still just kept going to voicemail. And I'm starting to panic because I'm reflecting back to um, when my dad passed away, my sister, who was out in California, she actually had a dream. Um, apparently as my dad, like probably the minute he died um, of some voice coming to her and saying, I will never leave you. You are not alone. And then I had called her because she had no idea my dad even had a heart attack at this point. And I had called her um, and she'd already heard that voice come through like the minute before I called um, in a dream. So I'm reflecting back on that thinking, oh, my God, my boyfriend's dead. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's dead and he's trying to tell me, I mean, I'm, I'm going to worst case scenario, of course. So I called my grandma because I couldn't leave work and I knew she was nearby. And I said, can you please go to my house and make sure Michael's alive, um, which she did. And he was, thankfully, he was alive and well. But he said he was sleeping the whole time and nobody answered his phone. And I looked at his phone and the call did not pick up on his end. Like it picked up on my end. It shows very clearly that I had a conversation with his phone, but it did not show up on his phone that we had a conversation. And I don't know how to explain that. Um, the first thing I can really think of now that I know he's not dead is that it was my dad. Uh, my dad manipulates electricity a lot. Every kind of sign we get in that house um, is always electrical. I don't know. My dad was an electrician. Maybe that's why, or maybe that's just the biggest way that spirits can communicate with us. Um, but it's very clear to me that it had to have been him because, you know, I know that there's a possibility of it being maybe, you know, I know calls can sometimes intercept somebody else's conversation. I've had that happen before, but I'm 100% certain that this was not the case. And the fact that the only thing I heard of that conversation was, I love you very much, um, just really made me feel like it was my dad. And, you know, if it wasn't, I'd rather believe that it was because, you know, what fun is it to believe that it's not? But anyway, that is my story. Um, and I hope to hear it. I hope you guys like it. Have a wonderful day. And I am sure that I will call back soon with more of the crazy things that happened to us. Take care. Bye.
What I found really interesting there was the fact that the dad was an electrician and they have electricity things being manipulated. That makes a lot of sense if you know the ins and outs of how to trip things and you're a ghost that you can totally use that to your advantage. I, as the funny thing is she was telling that story, everything that she said she did was things I thought, well, I would have assumed like something horrible has happened to him. Mm -hmm. I would have done everything she did including the point where she said, I like to think it was my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, that's so me, that whole story. Sure. I'd have done the same thing. I'd have sent somebody over thinking he was dead, and then he's fine, and then what was it? It was my dad. Yep. I love that that story. And I'd say absolutely. I'm, I'm so with her on that. Even if, who knows what it was. But she knows what she heard. Mm-hmm. And that would, you know, if, seriously, if your boyfriend was dying, those are the words he would get out. Yeah. So I get why she thought that. So she, it wasn't like she heard it and goes, oh, it's my dad. She heard it thinking something horrible had happened to her boyfriend and he's fine. Yeah. So then what is it? I like to think it was her dad. I think it makes sense. I think it, I think it was her dad. I think it's beautiful. It was. It was. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Our phone number here is 855-853-4802. We're going to have like a new contest. Every time a caller can make you cry, they win <laughs> They win like a cheesecake well, or something. Well, it's just the ones about dads coming to him like, like every damn. time. Or the dogs, like the dead dog. Yeah. What? You can have a story with a dad and the dog come back oh from the dead. God. And yeah, somehow I don't know how what else we're gonna intertwine in there, but um, we need like I used to do the bunk bed bell. We need like something for this. I don't know what it is yet. Like a, a party popper or something. It's totally that doesn't it doesn't make sense. You're crying and all of a sudden I'm like blowing the New Year's whistle. You know? <laughs> like, what the hell is that? It's the Carol cry whistle. You know. <laughs> but but uh, some of them get me. It's true. Well, that, that's good. I mean, it's it's authentic, and that's what I love about it is people are telling their stories, and and we're reacting. <laughs> Uh, you sometimes more than me, uh, but I some get me. I had one the other day that, um, and I, I talked about this the other day with um, with Jen on an episode, and the story's been bothering her since I told her about it off the air. Um, I, I talked with a a writer that did a story uh, about United ninety three, um, and this is obviously a topic you know, that is very, very sensitive. It was a very horrible time in our country. Um, we're talking 20 years ago now. There's a whole generation of people who don't remember that day other than it being in the history books. Um, but for those of us who lived through it, I mean, it is a, it's a difficult day to talk about. Um, and anyway, we're going to be airing it on the Grave Talks coming up this summer. It was a very interesting interview um, where someone who was a, uh, a guard uh, on the the site in Shanks uh, in, in is it Shanksville, Pennsylvania? Is that? I think it was something like that. I think it's. I, I forgive me if I'm I'm saying the town wrong. I think I just want to make sure. I I, I did the write up on it today. Yeah, it, it was um, where the um, the United ninety three the plane crashed into the the field. Uh, anyway, at the time they were um, after that after they did the. Um, uh, the cleanup, I don't know the right word to say on that, um, but the recovery, all of that, um, after that was done, they were still guarding it. Um, but they, they went from federal guards to um, a private security firm. And the private security firm had a trailer 
out there on the property. And it was guarded 24 hours a day. Keep kids away. Keep gawkers away. Keep all that. You know, they very respectful to the site. Oh, they uh, had to do that. Yeah, yes. As they decided what, you know, how are we going to, what are we doing here? Are we doing a memorial? How are we doing the memorial? What is all this going to be? All that. Um, and this this guard wanted to talk to this writer. And this writer, very prominent writer in the w- field of paranormal. She lives out there in Pennsylvania. And he didn't know who else to talk to, who would take him seriously, because he wanted to talk about this because he was having experiences at the site uh, in November of 2001, literally just a few months after the events of 9-11. And this, at that moment in time, it was not something anyone's going to take lightly or or really be able to, to even digest um, as how do you take this in at that moment? Somebody having paranormal ghostly experiences on that site. When you look at it from hindsight and from a distance, it makes sense. I mean, you have all these individuals who lost their lives in such a sudden, horrible way that, I mean, typically you see stuff happen on sites where that sort of thing happens. It's, it just is what it is. Um, but very difficult to digest at that moment in time. And he didn't know who to talk to because anybody he did talk to just shunned him. She took down notes. She took down the whole conversation of everything that they talked about. And she published it once in around 2003, got a lot of flack for it. And she didn't know how to publish it. She didn't know. She's like, I don't know how to editorialize this. I don't want to editorialize this. I just want to get this guy's story out. So she just presented it very much in a Q&A fashion. Just here's what he said. Here's what I asked. And it's a fascinating uh, article. And this is, I believe, the first time she sat down on any show and went through it and 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 really gave her insight of how that conversation went, what it was like, what he said, and what he suspected was going on at the site. Um, it wasn't just we're hearing noises. I mean, that was part of it. Um, and they were seeing things. Um, but I was I cried the other night when I was trying to, to tell Jen what the story was uh, because it was it's like, holy shit, there's this whole other level to this story that has oh, never... I have to hear this yeah. interview. It's a, it's a level to it that you've never thought of, never been told, never... Um, it's not out, and it's not... I'm, I'm going to air the interview in its entirety. I'm not breaking it into part one and part two, because um, I don't... This is a story that should not be like that. This is... A, I mean, it's, it's part of our history. It's part of our world that we live in today. And this is a story that should just be... So when it, it's released in, in June, um, it's all one piece. There's no be a gravekeeper and hear the other part. It's everybody gets it. Um, and you need to um, remind us on this I will. I will. Show. Yeah, I will. It's, 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 it's just quite a story. Um, and I'm, I'm going to... I'm not going to put any extra ads in there. I can't control that. That sometimes there's pre-roll and end of show ads. That's beyond what I can control. But I'm not going to add any sponsorships to that episode or anything like that. Um, it's just going to be a listen to this story because um, it, it's quite a story. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more about it off the air. But um, it um, anyway. That I, I so I'm just, my point of all of that was I do get choked up on the air sometimes. <laughs> I have, I have, I've, I've cried a, a time or two in the seven years of doing this because of a story. Um, so. And those are usually the ones, especially the dad ones or the relationship ones. Sure. Just because I've had personal experiences yeah. like that. And to know that other people have had that happen. Mm-hmm. 
it kind of validates my own experiences sure. too. It does. So when I hear a story like that, it's like, oh my God, that really was what I heard or, you know, what I felt. Yeah. And, it, anytime it can strike a personal chord and everybody has different chords to strike, um, that, you know, it, it, it makes sense. And that, that's what's, that's what I love about this thing and doing this because it's, you know, it, it's something for everybody. Um, on getting something out of it for these experiences that for so long yeah, we couldn't talk about. about, you know? Yeah. So, all right. Well, that is going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like our show and you want all the bonus episodes of it, become an extra podcast person in EPP at ghostpodcast.com or if you prefer Patreon, they got a lovely app. All the content is there too. Patreon.com slash Real Ghost Stories. Five bucks a month gets you all the bonus episodes, advanced episodes, ebook, audiobook, and more. Check it out. Keep us on the air. Until next time, for Carol and Tony, thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. We expect a lot from our homes. They're more than a place to hang your hat. They're where you try your hand at gardening and new recipes, rest and recharge, work and play. And that's why at HomeAdvisor, we're committed to keeping your home up and running. Whether you need to repair an overloaded appliance, or you're looking to create a backyard retreat worthy of a summer staycation. Use the HomeAdvisor app, day or night, and we'll find a local pro to get the job done right. Whatever you need, we'll do everything to fix your everything. Download the HomeAdvisor app today to get started.